The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 58. Hi, I'm Jack Berizzini, and you're listening to The Secret to Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we are discussing the 16th episode of Season 3, Ergo. SG-1 travels to P4X-884, a planet that they believe to be a tropical paradise. When they return in what seems like seconds for them, but hours for the SGC, they begin to exhibit... Weird behavior such as tilt guzzling an entire carafe of hot coffee and O'Neill eating an exorbitant amount of pie. Scans reveal very tiny alien devices have been implanted in their brains. The team is confined to quarantine and Ergo then reveals himself. They discover, despite uh, his best efforts to annoy them, that he is a computer-generated program by the devices to learn about other planets. Samantha tries to disable the devices with an EMP, but this only provides temporary relief from Ergo. The SGC finally decides to contact Togar, the creator of the implants, to see if he will remove them. Despite Ergo's warning that Togar will scoop out their brains with a scoopy thing, they return to P4X-884 where they meet Togar, who looks just like and is just as handsome as Ergo. They convince him that Ergo constitutes sentient life and to let him live in his head rather than theirs. He agrees to this proposition and frees SG-1 from Ergo and his insatiable appetite for pie. Yes, this is the, the Dom DeLuise episode. <laughs> yes, uh, the Dom DeLuise episode. Yes, I... <laughs> That's how it's known. Yep, it was, it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> what are your thoughts on it, Lisa? Well, I think out of the 213 episodes of Stargate SG-1, I think this is probably almost unanimously a top five favorite of fans. Um, it is one that everybody mentions and quotes from, and uh, it's just fun. I mean, right. It's, it's just pure fun. Mm-hmm. And we want to watch it over and over. Cause you just keep, uh, I don't know, quips and noticing things that are funny and that I'd forgotten about. And um, dumb Deloise. I mean, he was just such a treasure. Yeah, no, it's, um, it was fantastic. Uh, it will be you, Victor. Uh, yeah, this is a, a favorite episode, I would say. I mean, there's so many great memorable moments in this. Watching it again, you know, as they come up, you're like, oh, it's the pie scene. Or it's like, oh, it's the defibrillator <laughs> scene. Or, you know, it's, there's just it's just the most Dom DeLuise thing you could possibly imagine. It's, it's uh, you know, just it, it it's a it's one of those rare cases where you know a sci-fi show has a guest star on and then it just plays to the guest star's strengths and i thought um you know very well done here 
Yes, definitely. I was I was going to say that that same thing where sometimes you'll get a guest star on either because they're well known and the show needs to boost its ratings or the guest star has some connection or is a fan of the show. Um, and those are usually pretty hit or miss because sometimes they just feel like we have to feature this guest star in the most awkward and non-organic ways possible. But he just blended in perfectly with the cast here and it was it was really fun to watch. He's definitely one of the, I would, I would say the best um, special guest star we've seen so far in the three seasons that you're right. He just, you could watch another episode with him. Mm -hmm. It's not cringy at all. No, it's not. We need a, we should campaign for uh, Amazon to make a Stargate Ergo to bring him back. (laughs) I mean, it might be difficult now, but you know. Yeah. Right. (laughs) They got, they got the, one of his sons could yeah. reprise, reprise his role, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that was fun, too. This was directed by his son, Peter DeLuise, so Yes, who uh, they, makes a cameo as well. Yeah, we don't have to ask. No, because it's uh, very apparent. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that. That, yeah. was, that was good. Where he uh, de-ages himself to be the handsome uh, military guy. Yeah, yeah, what about now? <laughs> yeah, and... Yeah, that. I did a quick search. I couldn't find any oral histories of Ergo on the web, but you know, there has to be like some really good stories about maybe they're on like the DVD mm-hmm. commentaries or something, but obviously with the, the Peter DeLuise connection, it, it had to be, you know, something like that uh, to bring him on. And then, um, you know, Tor Alexander Valenza wrote, wrote the episode around that. And I imagine they gave Dom DeLuise and Peter DeLuise like a lot of room to just kind of bring stuff out um, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently uh, Dom DeLuise just ad-libbed most of his lines, and apparently they had to, Teal'c is not very prominent in this episode, and apparently the reason is uh, Christopher Judge was not able to keep a straight face most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I I could just imagine Dom DeLuise trying to crack up Christopher Judge, you know, uh, in, in full Teal'c mode, and yeah, it would, it would not mm-hmm. be possible to stand such a, a barrage of uh, comic whimsy. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder uh, how much of the scenes were planned in that case, like because he was just riffing on things like was a defibrillator thing. Was that was that scripted or did he just go make it up and then they just all went with it? Like when he starts singing me, me, yeah. me, me, me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you kind of wonder, it's like, OK, here's where we're going to go with the episode. Now, have fun. yeah. The, the shooting script may have been like four pages long and it was just like, you know, ergo on the base and then like ergo in, sp- in space, you know. And yeah. 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 OK, at this point, you're just going to annoy them and then you're going to. Yeah. Now, you know, who did a great job of keeping a straight face was Terrell Rothery, Janet Frazier, because mm-hmm. there were she was, you know, ne- next sitting next to him or across from, you know, in a lot of the like when the defibrillator, she was standing right next to him. And so the fact that she kept completely straight face through all of that, you know, Christopher Judge Tilt gets up and walks across and, you know, starts turning it on. She, I mean, I, I thought she did a fabulous job because there's no way you could not just, I just can't imagine how long it took them to film this episode. Yeah. They had to have been cracking up. I heard there's a lot of bloopers, but I couldn't find it. Yeah, I was looking for that because I feel like that would be fantastic to see. But I like how not only did she have to keep a straight face, she had to pretend like he wasn't even in the room, which would make it even harder. (laughs) Not to look at him. Well, and I love that sometimes, like that one scene with Carter, 
when they walk into the hallway and she's talking to Janet, he's not there. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Ergo's there, but the actor's not there. So it's her just talking to air. I, I kind of like that they did that. So you got it from the perspective of Hammond or Frazier and, and you didn't have to worry about what he was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just that was kind of a neat little fun thing, too. So it wasn't always him over the top. No, I, yeah, definitely I think I think Father Corey wants wants to get in a word here. Am I am I the only one who can see him? Yeah. <laughs> and oh, hear him. No, I'm not gonna bring up Lower Decks right now, Father Corey. <laughs> no, that was my He's not here and he's still making certain. <laughs> that was my Father Corey bit. <laughs> nice. Um Yeah, no, and, and it's interesting because if you look before there are people credited, you know, at the end of the episodes, but in the opening credits, only um Dom DeLuise and then Terrell uh Rothery uh are actually credited as as guest stars for the episode. So I think that, you know, mm-hmm. I think that she definitely earned that, uh, that above the, uh, you know, fold credit there. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else, any of the other people who appeared in the episode even said anything. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. didn't, but, but all of the, the, you think about how we talk about the expense of an episode. This had to have been a, Pretty inexpensive episode, except for paying for Dom DeLuise, I'm and, sure. And all that jello. Because think about their... <laughs> <laughs> Carrot cake. But I mean, you think about it, they were yeah. on the, on the, uh, in the, in the SGC, and then they were in, like, random warehouse-looking place. And that's it. No fancy sets. Yeah, that, uh... Yeah, skipping ahead towards the end, where they actually go back to, uh, Togar's, uh, planet... I'm pretty sure that was just a redress of the uh, Omaraka set. It was very similar. Yeah. You just get your Matt Gray sci-fi props and what looks like those little bubbly uh, Christmas lights that you used to have like in like the 90s. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. There's like a shot of those at the beginning and then you just generic sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, this is pretty much a bottle episode. But you, but you get your CGI right. frog. I mean, that, that wasn't cheap. Yeah, oh, true. yeah. That's I, where they spent their money. <laughs> I liked that a lot. Yeah. It felt very Jim Henson to me. That they beam in a creature and it's an aquatic yeah. creature and it's sustained in like kind of a bubble of water and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, and think about that twist at the end that Togar is Ergo. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that was kind of fun. Again, you had very few other actors in this episode. They were all just the same, like six. So that was that was nice. He's so mean. He's handsome, but he's mean. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how there's no there's no real like deceptive layers to the character. Like the biggest deception is that he's saying that Togar is going to kill them, which is pretty transparently just to so he can defend himself. But there's no like overarching like villain plot or anything like that. It's just a fun episode that's enjoyable to watch. I hadn't thought about that. You're right. You're right, but he, nobody. There was no evil doer. Yeah, no real danger even. So, so they brought back something else in their brains that doesn't. That's they're not themselves. That they're being. I mean, think. I'm like, how many are we up to now, right? And this time, Hammond and Fraser just kind of like, eh, don't leave the base. Eh. Yeah, it's like a. It looks like the world's smallest uh, rubber band ball. The little implant that's in their brain. That's yeah. Like they, they liken it to when we tag animals to track them and learn about their environment. It's the same kind of thing, but, and that you could take that 
plot and make it very dark and creepy. But they didn't do that here, and I liked that. Where even when you meet Togar, he's not malicious. He just wants to learn about the universe, and he's a little bit agoraphobic and just wants to stay in his one spot. I did like the uh, you know the the plot kind of develops into the measure of a man you know uh, plot where it's like this 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 program is now you know sentient and alive and I think they handled that actually very well um, compared to some of the dubious like legal arguments we got last episode. Um, I think they handle that very well here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Daniel up to that point has just been kind of a, a straight man for first Jack and then, um, Ergo, you know, just kind of yeah. someone to bounce jokes off of. And, and he actually gets to step up to the, uh, to the episode at that point. Yeah, I know that was, that was good how they did that. And of course, Jack was the one who, uh, kind of strong armed the rest of them into going back to the planet, uh, with Togar to see, like either they're going to die or they're not, but he just, he didn't really take into account what Ergo thought about that. So again, he's a computer program. So how much does it really matter? But from the point of view of the episode, it's, it's kind of harsh. Yeah. I'm just looking through my notes because there's just so many good quotes to quote. And really I just like, just go watch the episode. Like, yeah, that's, That's the funny thing. Like, it's a good episode and a lot, there's so much in it, but not a lot really happens. It's more just watching the characters bounce, bounce lines off each other and how they interact is just a lot of fun to see. It is. You can just imagine how much, like the the scene where they're sitting around eating all of the desserts, mm-hmm. right? And, and you first have, you know, O'Neill's picking up eyepiece and just taking these huge bites. And then Carter just gets up and walks out. Now get up and walk out. And, and then you next thing you know, like shoveling in food. And I just think, how much fun was that? And then you had all these guards sitting around yeah. and watching with puzzle yeah, looks like, on their faces. Going on? Yeah, even even when I Jack took that first bite of pie, like the focus of the scene is on the airman in the background, just kind of like, you know, checking things out, you know, and it's just kind of nice. Yeah, like he just he takes the first bite and he's like reading like a debriefing or whatever. And he takes another bite and then he just puts the thing down and just picks it up like it's a pizza slice and just starts going to town on it. (laughs) But from the very first scene in the conference room, when they come back, right, Mm -hmm. and you see O'Neill get up to get coffee. And then he goes and offers to pour Daniel coffee. And you think, that's, I mean, you never see that, Mm -hmm. them get up and walk around during a debrief, right? And he's offering to pour the coffee. And then they're all like, this is good coffee. Is that cinnamon? No, it's chicory. I mean, they're having this whole, and you're like, okay, something's weird. (laughs) This is not normal for them, but it's not way weird. It's just off. Right. So, and then of course, until Teal guzzles the hot steaming carafe of coffee. Do you you think? Find a gif of that. Yeah. Just to use it for every Monday morning. (laughs) There's probably a gif, right? Probably. (laughs) It's like, I feel okay. For someone who just drank half a gallon of scalding or steaming hot coffee, do you think ergo is a metaphor for drug addiction? I, I don't either. No. <laughs> I think he was a metaphor for let's get Dom DeLuise into this. Exactly. Episode. Right. And just let him go crazy and wild and like. <laughs> okay. I did look up why O'Neill, why they said Mary Steenburgen. Because this is the first time he mentions Mary Steenburgen, and he mentions her like in four episodes over the ten years. 
And um, he, in an interview, they asked him, <laughs> they asked him why, and he said it was just the first name that popped in his head that he he'd used it before, like making jokes and stuff, because he likes the way her name sounds. And that was it. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it was a year after Pleasantville came out, that horrible horror movie that she was in, but I don't know if it had anything to do with it. Oh, yeah. I blocked that movie out yeah. of memory, so it's, it's thank a, you for that, uh, Victor. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. It, one of the worst horror movies of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Toby Maguire. You're going to make me go watch no, it. No, under no yeah. circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> Just rewatch Ergo. Yeah, rewatch Ergo, yeah. Ergo. There you go. And give him Ergo. a double and Java Java to... kick. I had to Google... Okay, because Dom DeLuise, okay, Jack, D, I mean, you knew who he was, oh, right? Yeah. Yes, I uh, I know him as, uh, what I remember him from is uh, American Tale, The Big Cat, because I remember watching that as a kid, and he's got that very distinctive voice and that very mm-hmm. distinctive delivery, so that's that's what I associate him with. I had to think about it, because I've, I just feel like I've always known who he was and seen him in a bunch of things, but I couldn't really nail it down what it was i had to i had to look it up but and if you okay so Smokey and the bandit yep best little whorehouse in texas cannonball run those were all way my childhood and then and then it was just like it was in every um basically sitcom ever in the 80s yeah it kind of i mean i just looked through yeah it. He would be one of the guest stars they brought in. He was a regular with Don Bluth's animated feature, like, you know, The Secret of Nim, partnered with with Mel Mm -hmm. Brooks quite a bit. He was Pizza the Hut and Spaceballs. Blazing Saddles. Yeah, that's right. And then he was on uh, an episode of The Muppet Show as well, where he was also very uh, Mm -hmm. Dom DeLuise in that. Right. It's just kind of funny because it all just kind of blurs together. Like, oh, of course I know who he is. Yeah, he's one of those actors where you know him, but it's hard to think about like what exactly is he from? He's just known. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently his, uh, I was just looking at his Wikipedia page with all his roles. And apparently his last acting role was as pizza, the hut in the animated space ball series from 2009. I did not know that existed. So there you go. <laughs> now you have something new to watch. Yes. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, he did do a lot of uh, animation mm-hmm. voice work too. Yeah, that uh, all dogs go to heaven, all those. That's that's what I remember him from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's no. Uh, I like how this episode. It's like they could have done this episode with having someone appearing just to the team, no one else seeing them, and had it be the same kind of thing where there's no real like high stakes. There's no like ticking clock really. And it could have been a very boring kind of throwaway episode, but just having Don DeLuise kind of made the whole thing. Like they could have played him, had someone play him sinister or almost like I'm going to do the, do my Star Trek reference for uh, the night. Uh, There's an episode of Voyager where they get trapped in these stasis pods and there's like this evil clown who's like tormenting them. Um, and it's, it's an all right episode. It's a good horror episode, but it's not the flotter episode, is it? Oh, 
that's another thing that blocked out of my <laughs> yeah, mind. Sorry. No, not that one. Uh, <laughs> it's like this weird, like almost like a, what are they called? Like the clowns with like the big ruffles around their neck. Like it's just just really bizarre. Like bozo. Like, yeah, that kind of thing. Like like fever dream. Um, and they could have done that with this episode, and I'm glad they went with the lighthearted, fun, comedic take on it. Apparently, he reminds Sam of her uncle Irving, and I'm guessing that's not Jacob's brother. Now I'm imagining kind of Jacob Carter, you know. I didn't think about that. Having a Tom Delos, the black sheep of the family. Yeah, exactly. Jacob's the general in, in the in the Air Force, and and Irving is the one just kind of you know selling, I don't know, whatever people sell nowadays. What do people sell nowadays? It's Bitcoin. Bitcoin. They, yeah. <laughs> Selling monkey monkey pictures on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we don't really, I feel like, obviously we know why they couldn't have, have done more of this, but it would have been fun to see them play him more off of Tilk because of how serious Tilk is all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that would have been fun to see, but of course, apparently he, Christopher Judge couldn't even keep it together for that, so it's probably why. Why they threw it over to Daniel, like when <laughs> when Ergo does his woof line, you know, this Dom DeLuise woof, and then, you know, you pan back over to Daniel, he goes, woof? Yeah. And Daniel gets a lot of that uh, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jack just kind of plays his, his one-note, agitated, angry character. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel obnoxious this time. It didn't, no. I forget what episode it was a couple couple times ago that it just was over the top. Was it the one with Flash Gordon that I really detested? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel one either. <laughs> you know, where it just was so, you know, Jack was snarky and irreverent and all the things, but it was so much fun. This time. Mm-hmm. So it was done in just, just a fun, lighthearted way in the way he bantered with with uh, Ergo. And even before... Oh, and yeah. then you had Carter, who was loving, loving him. Yeah. And even, and even before Ergo appears in the episode, Jack's bantering, but it's not obnoxious when he's, you know, when they see the picture of the uh, the beach on the screen, and then they're talking about, you know, one man's paradise is another man's prison, never run with scissors. They're just going back and forth, and then, you know, they step through the gate in mid-sentence as he's, you know, going through all these, which is another way of saying, and then he's back in SGC, goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. I like that. Yeah, I hope that they, I hope that this is him, they kind of pulling back his snarkiness because I felt like for the past like four or five episodes, he's gotten, he's gone past just being kind of quippy and sarcastic to being almost abrasive. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to see a bit of a course correct on that from his character because there's only so much of that one can take before it just comes across as being mean spirited. Yeah, and even when they're like going through the implications of of what it means, he's he just says, you know, apparently all desserts on the base are in grave danger. You know, because uh, <laughs> it's been the only sign of uh, danger so far. Did you notice how they had like the the way they laid out that dessert table, the three colors of Jello? I mean, they really put a lot of thought into how to make that table look good on tv Mm -hmm. because you had all these pies and stuff that were brown and then you had these higher up like a sunday glass i overthought this way too much i promise you know these sunday glasses full of brightly colored jello scattered around and so when you just look at the shot it was like 
that looks really your your eye is drawn to the middle of the table. I actually watched uh this YouTube channel of this guy who used to work as a food arranger for movies and for commercials and stuff and it's really interesting how much not just thought but planning and almost artistry goes into setting up food to make sure it looks good and looks appealing on a screen because it's it can be hard to make something not just look like garbage. Like, I don't know, anytime, like, you see people posting their food Instagram pictures or whatever, and it's like, that just doesn't even look good. But there's a lot of work that goes into <laughs> making food look good, and a lot of the work, especially for, like, commercials, is it's not even actually food. Exactly. <laughs> it might be shaving cream instead of whipped cream. Exactly. So, but, yeah, the Jello did make me think of uh, Jurassic Park, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the blue Jello gets uh, gets a wow from Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does. Blue jello becomes important. Color jello sheet. Now, uh, now I want some jello. I've not had it in probably twenty something years, but yeah. we have some in the fridge. Nice. <laughs> I should have brought it out and eaten it while I was sitting here. <laughs> I'm not going to do the pudding pops commercial. I'm not going to do the pudding pops commercial. It's 2022. It I can't do it anymore. It was problematic when I did it. <laughs> you were talking Uh, about guest stars and building the episode kind of around him and letting him shine mm -hmm. and you contrast this episode and the way they handled ergo and dom de louise with gamekeeper yeah Yeah. which i forget his name dwight schultz yes dwight schultz yes and how y'all talked about how it just didn't he didn't shine he didn't do what he was he could have just run with that episode and he didn't. Mm-hmm. So, but you contrast it and this one, I mean, could have been directors. It could have been the material. Could have been how well they knew him. I don't know, but it's, it just really stood out to me. I would bet that having Peter DeLuise directing it probably helped too, because yeah. not only were they, they have that family relationship, so they're probably comfortable around each other. It's not like you're just bringing in, here's our guest actor, he's here for two weeks or whatever while I film this episode, and he's got to work with these people he doesn't really know. He's got that relationship established already. And also, I think because Peter DeLuise had a decent amount of creative control over the show, he was able to plan it out and work it so that it everything was lined up to be as good as it could be for what they were trying to accomplish. So I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I did like how uh, when they do introduce Togar, you know, who's as, as handsome as he is evil in um, Ergo's words. You know, he sees basically, it looks just like Ergo, only he has like his hair is actually combed. And um, yeah, Dom DeLuise plays him as, as basically like a Star Trek, the original series alien. You know, that is an error, you know. And uh, yeah, I did. I did notice that. And. It was very uh, seemed very intentional. Yeah, just overpronouncing the words, but yeah, uh, no, it was just a lot of fun. I want to figure out. Uh, going back to that CGI alien creature, I want to figure out like who designed it because it, it seemed very unique. It didn't seem it seemed like some thought went into it. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, probably some visual effects studio, you know, that worked with MGM. I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, if you look, maybe it was left over from some Outer Limits episode or something. Yeah, who knows? Well, kudos to whoever designed that thing, because I liked it a lot. 
Yeah. Um, that's, that's the funny thing about this episode is it was really good and it was very full, but it's so much of it <laughs> is based on the dialogue and the character interactions that it's hard to convey that over over an audio podcast. So all I really got to say is uh, people really need to go watch it. It's a good one. And Fiora. Uh, Victor could just give us a whole lot of lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even... You've got them all written down. <laughs> even one of my favorite bits, though, is, is a physical bit. And it's a physical computer effects shot where they're sitting in the locker room and Ergo's talking and Jack is just so frustrated. He's like passing his hands through Ergo, you know, and they do this with like computer effects and he like shoves his, his hand through Ergo's mouth and is making it go blah, blah, blah while while Ergo's talking. <laughs> I had to watch that one a couple oh, times. Yeah. It's just very funny. That or when uh, Ergo uh, makes himself very small. Yes. Teeny tiny Ergo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this was the first time we saw the new locker room, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Every other time we've seen it was just lockers. And this was the so, first yeah. time. There's four corners. Like SG-1 is important now. They have their own locker room, which as a female, I'm still like Carter. I guess it just worked for TV that Carter's in there with them and doesn't have her own space. It, She'd know. probably have a couch in hers. <laughs> scented candles yeah i know i know that i know what's up her, her motorcycle part yeah. did it <laughs> yeah father Corey's not here to uh let us know how all that stuff really works in the military but... oh that's true i doubt they have the men and women sharing a locker it's just i especially not in 2000 yeah or maybe not but probably not what year was starship troopers in yeah that was a <laughs> 22nd century you mentioned pleasantville is like the worst (laughs) movie and then you bring up starship Troopers. hey man hey now i i I like that movie (laughs) they do that in battlestar galactica too where everything is unisex but i don't know (laughs) and we end on a good note of that yet another advanced technologically advanced race doesn't want to share mm-hmm I want to know where he got his stuff from. Like, he's just some random schmo on a planet that's doing experiments, or we don't see outside of his lab at all. So, like, is this is this just some dude in his basement, and then the rest of his planet is also advanced? That's a really good question. Yeah, I, I assumed he was from just a race of like scientist people, but you're right; he could be just doing this all for fun. Mm-hmm. I like when they asked him, "Why don't you go out and explore yourself?" And I'm like, "Uh, danger." Yeah. The gold. The gold, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Awesome. Uh yes is this is one of my favorite episodes I've I've seen so far. So this is what I want sci fi to go back to where it's it's fun and it's doesn't make me feel depressed and it's not dour. But you know. That's true. It is funny that that is what makes Stargate so lovable is that just i don't know even even you you have the episodes that go deep but they're one episode and then you have the ones that are fun and then they poke fun at themselves and mm-hmm. i don't know it's lighthearted. like you said it could have been sinister dark and no yeah i always tell my kids like you can tell a movie is a good movie when if at the end everybody comes out and sings a song and dances and that's the ending of the movie like <laughs> 
it doesn't matter what movie it is. You could just ha- have your movie end that way. And it's a good movie. And I think, you know, any show where they can just like stop whatever's going on and have a comedic episode is a good sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rather than 10 episode arc of depressing hyperviolence. Like if this had been a modern show and I know I probably sound like a broken record at this point, but if this had been a modern <laughs> show, this would have been like a 10 episode arc and it would have been about the horrible PTSD and like, like trauma that they're getting from having something implanted in their head. Mm-hmm. They they made me they made me do a TikTok or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was forced to do a Fortnite dance. I was forced. To, yeah, I was forced to do the L train. <laughs> I couldn't stop dabbing. I couldn't stop. There we go. <laughs> I thought you were advocating for a minute, Victory, that this this episode should have ended in a song and dance number. I wasn't sure what it you should. Were going. Well, you know, instead we get we get kind of this like a boy episode where they like come back through the Stargate and it's like, whoa, why is everyone pointing their guns at us again? It's because you've been gone for ten hours. What? You know, it's like that was almost yeah. I wanted the Looney Tunes theme to start playing and just have it like zoom in on Jack's face, like yeah. the, the closing camera iris. <laughs> I, yeah, I, the, uh, and then the the whole it's a bait and switch with the paradise plant. Yeah, even Ergo's like, I want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to go any place, the Cree, someplace, anywhere. Yeah, Cree. Yeah. I was I couldn't remember exactly when I was watching it again when he when he went for the defibrillator paddles, and I'm like. Oh God! Did they actually try to shock somebody? I can't remember. Try the paddles, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all looking, and then you see Phil get up and walk over. But I like how Carter's calm. She's like just explaining stuff to mm-hmm. him, and they're all like, "What? What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, she definitely gives him the most uh, benefit of the doubt of anybody. Yeah. Or when they're all singing a row, row, row your boat, but it's, they're in separate rooms, but it's still synced up the way that you would do it. Like a round, yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And then you felt for Fraser. Yeah. You know, everything seems normal. They're going back to work. And then. Nope. Here we go again. Yeah. (laughs) And then Jack's like, I don't sing. (laughs) I don't even know the words to row, row, row your boat. (laughs) Press play. Yeah, that was the other thing is. When, when, when Sam is like showing the mouth footage at the beginning of the episode, it's just a little thing. Like she's like, but watch what happens. And she takes something like a card out of like this case. It says, watch what happens if we, if we play the mouth. Like, and she like, it's below like the table. So you can't see what she's doing, but she just holds the card like up to the VCR and it starts playing the mouth footage. For, like, and I'm like, what is this? What's going on here? But it's her IR blaster. Yeah. Oh, what game console? What was that that Jack was playing? Was it a Game Boy? Oh my gosh, did I not notice that? Before they, when they're all in the quarantine, yeah. When they first see Ergo, when he comes, wait, you know, Mm -hmm. appears to them. I'm not. I'm probably a Game Boy Advance. I'm guessing, but handheld game things. If it was 2000, it was probably is that. It'd be a Game Boy Advance at that time, yeah. Yeah, either that or like a Game Boy Color or something. Yeah. Man, I wanted one of those and I was not allowed to get one. 
if you didn't get the original Game Boy Advance, you're 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 lucky because it didn't have a backlit screen, and I like got so many headaches playing Metroid Fusion on that. Oh yeah, my friend had the one with uh, he had the accessory that was the magnifier, and yeah, the those didn't work. I think it was garbage. Yeah, you waited until the Advance uh, SP came out, and that was a good one. That's what I have now. My, uh, my oh yeah, dollar one that I got off eBay. So it works great. That's why I can't believe y'all didn't notice that. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I need to try the your Stargate game on that. I'll oh yeah, that. it works. It works really good. You could download the. Um, I need to finish that up. Uh, no, no one's been asking except for you know our nine year old. When are you going to finish Star Circle? I'm like, what? I was like, oh yeah, the Game Boy game I was working on. I'll get back to it too. <laughs> I just got to. Nice. I just got to finish with my preps first, and then. Um, and then I'll get back to, to that. But yeah, no, it, work, it works great on the Pow Kitty. Nice. I'm, I'm going to throw that on there and dry it out. <laughs> yeah, I think that was uh, it's pretty much all my, my thoughts on this episode. Just it's, it's really good and it's extremely quotable. And I feel like this is one where you can just get tons of gifts and quotes out of it. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. This is one of those you could just turn on when you when you want just classic Stargate, mm-hmm. you know, and just want to relax and laugh and enjoy it. This is it. Yeah. And it's a Definitely. perfect cornerstone or capping to Dom DeLuise's career, too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So, MGM, this is the kind of episodes we want and when they continue Stargate. Yes, but no CGI ergo. Oh, no, we don't need Aww. DH. Just capture the feel and tone. Right. And it needs to be one episode. It doesn't need to be a whole season. Unless it's Peter Deloise, like, literally playing Son of Virgo. I think that would be funny. Oh, that would be, that would be amazing. Or one of his brothers. It could be, it could be any of them. <laughs> yeah. That works, too. <laughs> we won't get picky. <laughs> awesome. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on this episode? I have a confession. What? My 15-year-old did not like this episode. Oh, Why not? I don't know. I didn't. She just, she was like, meh. I don't like this one. Did she find the humor too broad and reminiscent of Borscht Belt comedians in vaudeville or? <laughs> I'm not sure she knows what it's that like, means. <laughs> I'm more a fan of like dry situational observational humor. I'm, I'm not really a big fan of these sort of, you know, broad characterizations and physical comedy. Hmm. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I feel like. I feel like we almost have like an embarrassment of riches with how much money gets thrown at television shows and movies these days where everything is has such a high budget that it's lost its charm so i feel like it's harder to show people who did not watch these shows when they were on or growing up like i i didn't watch this when it was on but i watched like star trek and all those kind of things um, so I know what I'm getting into when I watch it. But when you, even if you try to show someone shows like Next Generation or even Stargate now, I feel like they're going to look at it and be like, this looks really cheap and silly. Yeah. I mean, I, my kids have seen like classic Doctor Who and like gotten involved in the stories and stuff. So I don't know. I kind of like that shaggy bespoke like feeling where especially with Stargate, you can oh, you yeah, can tell definitely. it's like <laughs> six or 12 people. It's, like, it's the same thing I really like about Mystery Science Theater 3000 is the old version, you know, the original, is that you look at it and, you, and it's like, this is not a corporate product. This is, you know, 
eight people mm-hmm. pouring their heart and souls into something they were very passionate about. And yes, it's, it's rough around the edges, but that's part of its charm. Stargate is, exactly. you know, scaled up quite quite a bit from that, but still, it was a passion project, and you know, for a lot of the people involved. And I think we're missing a lot of that passion. Um, and and thanks today, everything's just such a it's just a corporate product that they have to you know check their boxes. The algorithm tells them what kind of show to make, and they make it. Mm-hmm. I would also argue that most most shows nowadays go for, um, what do you call it? Just like vulgar humor. Mm-hmm. You know, always trying to push that envelope rather than just getting to the basics of what is funny. It's possible to be funny and engaging and entertaining, and a good quality show without you know, playing to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean... And I think that this show did that. You can... Most episodes, there's some exceptions, you can watch with your teens, with your preteens. I watched it with my kids when they were younger. You know, some that. And some people might not. But, you know, for the most part, you can't. And there are a lot of shows... Yeah, you... <laughs> I don't want to watch with my teenagers. They might be funny, but they're... It's, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, she loves Stargate. She doesn't like this. Hmm. And now I'm going to have to go ask her why. Yeah. Or maybe I can get her to leave a comment. <laughs> on our- <laughs> she can be our feedback uh, for the next episode. Yeah. yeah I want to know. Uh, I want to hear the. Go tell us why. Or anyone else who's listening. If you do not like this episode, why? <laughs> and we can offer an apologia pro vito ergo. As it were. <laughs> nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. If- if you did not like this episode, we we went here from you. If you liked this episode, also we also yeah. want to hear from you. And it, and if you know uh, who yeah. Ergo's tailor is, I'd like to meet his tailor. Those are some very flattering outfits oh. that he was, he was oh, given yeah, to wear. Definitely. So yeah, they definitely look comfortable. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, and before we uh, go, we would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate and all the other shows at Star StarQuest including Deborah A., William V., Father Dean M., Anthony H., and Arthur. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to see, send a feedback, let us know uh, what you thought of this episode, you can visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. And don't forget to come join us on our uh, Discord at sqpn.com slash discord. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1. Until then... Lisa Jones, thank you for joining me and sharing the secret to Stargate. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. I want to live, I want to experience the universe, and I want to eat pie. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Jack Verzini. Thank you for listening to the secret to Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think?